written about 20 books. You know, he's one of, he is one of Australia's set intellectuals. Left school uh, early teens and calls himself largely self-educated. And you know what? I looked at it and went, so am I. So what's that old expression, be careful what you ask for? Maybe in education, it should be, be careful what you ask your students. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Modern Learners Podcast. I am Will Richardson, your host. And that is one of the topics that my good friend and colleague Bruce Dixon and I are talking about this week. How important it is to make sure you understand what kids are experiencing in your classrooms and to ask them that, even though we can probably predict their answers with pretty great certainty. That's a conversation that we have based on a visit I made to a school up in Ontario last week, and so we get into some depth around that, but we also talk about homeschooling, self-determined learning, and a really amazing new school that our friends Pam Moran and Ira Sokol down in Albemarle, Virginia, are creating that opens up uh, next fall that I'm sure you're going to want to hear more about. So it's another Modern Learners podcast that's chock full of goodness. And maybe the biggest news in this podcast is the announcement that registration for Change School number 5 opens Monday, May 21st. So if you are listening to this in the last half of May 2018, run, don't walk, over to change.school to get all the details. We want you to be one of the next 100 or so school leaders from around the world to join us on this journey. And even if you're not listening in May 2018, head on over to Change School anyway to see when the next cohort is starting. If you really want to understand what's possible in schools today and how to make those possibilities happen, then check us out. It's exciting, demanding, interesting work, and we want you to be a part of it. And please, 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 if you enjoy this podcast and you like our other Modern Learner podcast episodes, and if you have a second, head over to iTunes and give us a review or tell your friends and colleagues about us. We've had about 27,000 people now who have been listening, which is awesome. And we want 27,000 more at least. So anything you can do to spread the word, we would really appreciate it. We're going to be back in the next few weeks with a slew of great interviews. We've got some great author inter- conversations lined up. But for now, really hope you enjoy this 30-minute conversation between Bruce and me. As always, thank you so much for listening. Well, Bruce, as you can see, I decided to dress up for our podcast tonight. Yeah, I wish you hadn't. I sort of, you know, well, you I feel like you dressed. I've been so, <laughs> I've been so formal lately, you know, that I just decided to go with the ball cap and the the Blair Academy basketball T-shirt, the whole deal. Wow, it, it finally got warm. Finally got warm here in New Jersey today, so. I figure we'll celebrate by just dressing down for our conversation today. I hope that's okay with you. Well, I'm entering into where it's winter, a little bit cooler, and I'm dressing up. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. We've got so nice balance. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully looking at this, it won't get too much warmer, right? <laughs> it'll be a scary thing. So how are you, mate? I'm good. But you again, you've been on the road traveling. Yeah, um, I've been on the road, had some interesting experiences, had a really great day with about 100 kids and about 25 teachers up in Ontario the other day. And, um, it was, Tell us a little bit about that. It was a well, you know, sort of instance I think you had there that was interesting. Well, it was funny. I mean, the whole premise was to get kids together to talk about how they would want schools to be different, and which is a great thing to do, by the way. I highly recommend that to anyone yep. who's listening. Yep. The more input you can get from kids, and I know a lot of our change schoolers are starting to do that as well, which is really cool. But anyway, 
Um, and so I kind of emceed it, which was fun for me because um, kids are great as always. But um, they were really honest and they were very heartfelt in their responses. And, um, it was just a, a very interesting day where they shared a lot of their experience and, and really made it real for the educators. So it was all good. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I said to, to the woman who brought me up there, I said, so when you guys get together as a team to debrief in a couple of days, I just want you to ask one question. And the only question I want you to ask is, what did the kids say that you didn't already know? <laughs> and, and she kind of looked up at me and smiled and kind of went, yeah, probably not much. You know? So what were the and, sorts of things the kids were saying, man? Well, you know, we all know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not really relevant. A lot of the stuff I just don't really care about, but I'm doing it because I have to. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I'm doing a lot more learning outside of school than I'm doing inside of school. Um, I don't find, you know, the, the usefulness in, in much of it, you know, and on and on. I mean, and there were kids who really enjoyed school, and it wasn't that they were being tortured, but there were a lot of kids who um, just expressed this kind of ennui, right, with going to school. They were just just kind of bored and disengaged. And the interesting thing too is that in this, in this particular district, they've done some research um, and they had seen um, engagement problems, which is one of the reasons they were doing this. So yeah, and, and that's not to say that you shouldn't bring kids together because you know what they're gonna say, because I do think that there's value in hearing it and there's, there's leverage that you can gain having them articulated in that way. But uh, what are we waiting for? I mean, we know this. So if we're going to ask kids, and, and you know, the, the other good thing, too, is now there's 100 kids who are going to hold those people's feet to the fire a little bit more and say to them, well, look, you asked us. This is what we told you. Um, where are these changes? You know, what, what are you doing to make it different? But yeah, it was an interesting day. It was just uh, every day that I get to spend with kids is a powerful one. And um, so it was a good, it was a really good refresher. But, uh, good stuff. Yeah, I, I, I was reflecting on you, you mentioned some of that to me earlier and uh, and during the week I was reflecting on an article I came across which sort of I guess was riffing off the same um, ideas um, about an astrophysicist she's actually English yeah. but she lives in Australia now uh, Lisa Harvey awesome. Smith quite an extraordinary young lady um, who's done some unbelievable things but her story as it was told in the Fairfax press here in Australia and um, we'll post the link uh, below this, but it was um, we posted Inside Change Leaders, which is our community that we have people come together and share their ideas around leadership and change in. Um, and, uh, you know, was, her life was rather, what was intriguing part of her life was she sort of had the, a lot more choices in her life than a lot of kids do. Her mother was a teacher and, and um, at, when she left primary school, elementary school, her mother basically said to her, you know, you, you want to go to high school, which is sort of not like every parent says to their child, and um, said, uh, you know, what would you like to do? And, and she said, no, I'd, I'd rather just sort of, you know, do my own work here at home. The first piece is that we then, the article referred to her and we referred to then as being homeschooled. And I'm interested in that term, homeschooled. Anyway, the short of the story for the people who are listening and watching was that she went on for the next four years, five years, I think, and was immersed in books and experiences. And, um, and went, after about two years or three years, uh, a father had shared her a book or uh, a couple of books on astronomy. And from that, she went and did a sort of a, a museum-based little um, 
uh, week workshop where she, her interest in astronomy grew. And then from that, she went back to school in the end of uh, high school, year 12, and basically become, you know, one of the top astrophysicists in the world. She works with Brian Cox out of England. I think a lot of people do know. But she was able to make that choice in her life. And here she is at the top of her profession, someone who spent four or five years um, through, some people would say, the most critical time of their schooling. And I'm sort of interested in this notion that we talk, we call that person homeschooled. We usually put them in a little box. We sort of usually talk about homeschoolers as someone who has a religious issue or a health issue or, you know, um, or an ideological issue. And I, at the same time, the next day, I looked at an article of a gentleman down here who's incredibly well known and in extraordinary. He's one of Australia's intellectuals, I guess you'd call him, Philip Adams. He's a broadcaster on their national, essentially the equivalent of PBS, our ABC. And I didn't know this, but I was looking through his bio and on it, he says, it just happens to, in the midst of him having uh, produced and directed about five films, written about 20 books, you know, he's one of, he is one of Australia's said intellectuals, left school uh, early teens and calls himself largely self-educated. <laughs> and you know what? I looked at it and went, so am I. And I thought, you dill. I'd never thought of, I never thought of it, you know. Yeah, I, did, I didn't leave like you did, Philip. But if I think about everything that I'm doing now, and you, you and I talk about this, but this was like a really in-my-face thing. And I thought, this is weird, you know, being confronted by this. Because if you, if you talk about being largely self-educated, it sort of doesn't put you in that homeschool box. And Lisa was largely self-educated. And now she's one of, Australia, one of the world's leading astrophysicists. So, you know, Bruce, when you said... And so am I. I mean, that really resonates for me as well. I, I feel like most of the things that I have learned that have mattered in my life have basically been self-determined and, and self-educated. Yeah. Um, certainly, certainly, there have been um, there have been pieces of content and knowledge and experiences that have happened through formal education or formal settings, but. The vast majority, and I say this, I've been saying this a lot too, people have a hard time arguing, but I think most people agree that almost everything that they know and understand about the work that they do, they learn on the job. And unless you're a surgeon or unless, you know, even then, you know, but, um, you know, this is how we learn. We learn by doing. Um, if you really want to take, if you really want to step back and look at it, doing is self-determined when you become an adult, and that's the way that you learn. It's the only place that you are really not self-determined in the things that you do when you're put into a school situation. Yeah. And I think as we all know, not much of that stuff sticks. So yeah, it's but, fascinating when you read art, when you read stories about people like that. And hers was so clear cut and, but it also brings to my mind another, another thought. And that is that when we talk about school and schooling, we always talk about 13 identical years. It's almost like we say, well, whatever's okay to do in year one, in prep or preschool or whatever you want to call it, is exactly the sort of, I'm talking about the environment experience. I'm not talking about the content or whatever else. Whereas it seems to me a really easy way, and I don't necessarily even agree with this, but an easy way, to, a better way to think about it is to think, well, okay, let's, let's agree the first few years in, in many schools in places around the world are actually exceptional experiences for kids, particularly if they're in a regio environment, if they've got a play-based learning environment. Um, these are places where kids are doing some really cool stuff. And 
And there are also places where we do want them to, to, to pick up some fairly core skills and whether we believe they have to have a certain amount of, you know, sort of instruction or not. Um, you know, by the, kid, by the time kids get to about seven or eight, they've got a hold of all that stuff. And that's, that's really cool. And just like Lisa needed to, at some point, probably you need to go back and, and do some, you know, pick up some formal knowledge and probably whip off onto either, you know, community college or apprenticeship or internship, or you go to university and you do an undergraduate or postgraduate degree. What about the stuff in the middle? What about the stuff between when you're eight and when you're 16? That's to me, surely they're the years we should be thinking differently about. Surely they're the discovery years. They're the years where you explore your ideas, your passions, your interests, and you discover how you learn, how you're better as a learner. You discover yourself as, you, as a learner and you realise your own confidence as a learner and that allows you then to pursue those passions and interests for the rest of your life. Well, I wrote uh, actually a, a post that, uh, at the Modern Learner site today where I was talking a little bit about how, um, you know, kids are learning in those ways. It's just not happening that much in school. And I think that it, I have, there's a line in there. I can't remember exactly how I wrote it, but it said something along the lines of, you know, if we had access to their text messages and their personal Snapchats, <laughs> we'd have a much better idea of what they're actually learning during that time than by looking in the parent portal and seeing the grades that are posted there, which really have very little to do with learning in, in any meaningful way. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, this whole discussion does kind of go back to, you know, what we talk about a lot, and that is our modern, modern learning lens, which yep. is, you know, what, what we wrote about this week and also the new video series that's, that we put out this week about the lens. And it does come again back to beliefs, right? That the reason why we seem to struggle so much with um, accommodating these types of kids who are more self-directed, self-determined learners is because we don't honor that first and foremost as how learning happens, even though we know that is how learning happens. Mm -hmm. um, we tend to take that as an outlier or take that as, um, you know, impossible to, to do in schools or impossible to create environments where that can happen in schools or whatever else. And so we just kind of ignore it and we, we honor or privilege this other kind of thinking about how learning happens, which is you got to sit in these classrooms and go through this curriculum and take this test. And, you know, that's the way it happens. So when we talk about the lens, we're really talking about shifting that focus, right? Um, yeah. Say a lot too, we're trying to help people to focus back on learning, not education. And then, and that's a, that's an interesting, it's an interesting shift that's happened um, for me even more and more the way I think about that difference, how there is this separation schools and learning and, and the implications of it, especially today. And it's, it's sort of crazy too, because you take another one of those lenses that we, we talk about, the one about context, um, which I wrote a little bit about the week before. And, and I think of those, you think of those middle years for kids, you know, between eight and 16, just as, a, as an arbitrary um, range. And I start thinking, well, okay, what do you want to do? So on the current, um, regime, what we tend to do is we're just racing like crazy to make sure the content we're going to pour into kids' heads because we've described this content as being important is relevant and current and up-to-date. And, of course, it's impossible. It's stupid. Yeah, you know, I mentioned a few times on, on previous calls that 
you know, Australia's going through a rather interesting uh, stage. We've got a couple of national inquiries going on. And I just read out where our largest state, New South Wales, got about, I don't know, 7 million people in it or something. You know, they're going to redo their curriculum because it hasn't been reviewed for 10 years. Well, that must be very relevant. You know, it must have a lot of really purposeful material in it because it'll take another three years for the review to take place. So we'll be getting material that was very relevant in 2010, poured into kids' heads in 2021. It's sort of like you've got to say, guys, please, you know, at this, at what point in time do we realise that we have to understand that learning today is about agency and inquiry, it's about kids being in control of their own environments and helping them make sense of that and develop the disciplines and the skills to prepare themselves for the world ahead. And that's not really a hard thing, I wouldn't think. Well, it's not a hard thing if you've got the foundations right. Yeah. Right. If you're honoring what you believe about learning, it makes yeah. it a lot easier. So today in CLC, I actually wrote a little bit of a post on a new school within a school that are our much adored friends at Albemarle down Pam Moran and Iris Ockel are um, starting this year, even though Pam's retiring at the end of this year, they're starting yeah. it next fall. Actually, yeah. The Albemarle Tech Center for Creativity and Invention. Right now, I want to, you know, I want to talk about this a little bit because I, I wonder what it is that prevents other schools from doing this. And I think I, I mentioned just a second ago that I think one of the things that prevents other schools from doing this is that they haven't figured out what they believe learning is and how it happens. Absolutely. And, and even if they have figured that out, they're not honoring it. They're not living that definition, right? So I think, you know, anybody who's ever stopped at Modern Learners in any form knows that that's always the starting point is what do you believe about how kids learn? I mean, and that's the biggest part of the lens that we talk about too. What do you believe? And then are you living that definition in what you do? So let me just read a little bit of this and I'd love to get your reaction to this, Bruce. And yeah. In terms of the why, you know, they say, well, we're designed this using the best contemporary research on education and it will remove several potential barriers to learning, such as time constraints, environmental limitations, curricular restrictions. In addition, with a location embedded in the Albemarle County world of innovative businesses, ATEC will allow students to fully engage their world. Removing these barriers allows students to discover an extensive education made possible by a grassroots connection to the community through technological problem solving and maker-infused learning. So, I mean, just in that part, and I'm going to read another part here in a second, but just in that part, you know, it answers the question, why? Why do, why do we need to do this? And I mean, there's other reasons why too, but I think those are pretty profound. I mean, I think those are pretty good reasons and I wonder why other schools aren't articulating those as well. Isn't it common sense? Well, that is the kind of uh, theme of the, of the past few months for all of us, right? Is that, <laughs> yeah, it just makes common sense. Why, it's not, why would you do that? It's why wouldn't you do that, mm. right? Why wouldn't be that be mm. the way that you go about it? Mm. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I know that both of us at times, and I know I recall earlier last week, I think you were walking away from an event you'd done and you rang me up and you were just a little um, uh, overwhelmed by the uh, obviousness of, of, of right. the, the whole position. I mean, I think that it's, it's, we have people together with us in a workshop or a session and we're talking and we're saying, so isn't this, isn't this obvious? Like, what do you believe? What do you believe about how kids learn most deeply and powerfully? What does this mean? What are the implications? 
Now, it calls out all those things that Pam and I are doing in this new school. And you're thinking, well, okay, that makes sense. And, and what people tend to do is they go, yeah, look, I like the gradeless thing. I think I'll do the gradeless thing. And out of the blue, they just pluck this little idea and, and there's, what's the rationale for it? Why, why are you doing this? Is it, is it a gimmick, a fad, something to do to keep, you know, the walls from the door sort of thing? Or is there a rationale for why you're going gradeless? And is it part of a larger picture, a larger idea that you're trying to implement? Is this just the first step? Because if you're just walking in, and I hate saying this because I know that a number of the people who we've talked with have the best of intents when they talk about gradeless. Right. But, you know, gradeless has been 2018's word, I think. It, you know, please don't just throw gradeless in. It's like throwing laptops in. It's like throwing, I don't know, whatever amount of learning in. And right. yet it's, it's obvious where they should be going with it. So when you read that in the context of Albemarle, you know what they mean because yeah. they've been very transparent, right. they've been very thoughtful, they've been very articulate about what it is that they believe in terms of what learning is. And, it, you know, it, it may not be the exact same definition as you or I have or another school has, yeah. but they have one and they've been willing to put it out there. So when you read this where it says Albemarle Tech is a full-time experience without learning time limitations, no curricular divisions or traditional grading practices, Students will have the opportunity to imagine, design, collaborate, and complete projects both within their own school community, but also with community partners through internship opportunities. These experiences will meet the needs of each individual student and by writing their own learning contract with support and guidance of educators, students will declare their goals, decide what they wanna do, and even how many credits they should earn. When complete, students will report to the school community on their account. Yeah, I can't imagine that it appealed to many kids. But, but I also can't imagine that there are a lot of educators right now who hearing that or reading that are going, oh, that's a crappy idea. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think all of them are going, oh, man, <laughs> you know, if only. But I, I'm, I, I'm just, I just don't know what it is exactly. Well, I do know what it is that prevents people from just taking that step. I think we all know what it is, you know, and it's, it's a, combination of lots and lots of different things. This is really hard work. Um, and, you know, we talk about that a lot. But if we're going to put it, just make it black and white, isn't what I just read what we should be doing for kids? Yes. I mean, can you really argue in any form <laughs> that we shouldn't do that for kids? Nope. You can't. I mean, there's no, I don't think there's any tenable argument that says that um, that wouldn't be an amazing learning environment for kids. And with the support of educators and the support of adults, that that wouldn't be just an amazing experience. For them. Okay, and just to put some reality to it, just explain, because not everyone will know, Pam and Ira and Alba Mal, um, uh, these aren't people who are coming in out of the blue who've got a random idea. These are people who have worked for many years to lay the foundations and make this a reality. Yeah, and I think Pam is podcast number three or four that we yeah. did. She was one of the first people that we talked to when we started the series, and I think this is number 43 or something. So, I mean, you know, go listen to her podcast. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll put a link to it, too, if you want to get a sense of where Pam's coming from. But Ira is the same way, you know, just a very thoughtful person who yeah. comes from a very progressive background who um, has had amazing experiences in the world that 
has informed the way that he thinks about all this stuff. And um, yeah, it's it's it really is common sense. So in, just to kind of finish up that common sense piece of it in the post that I wrote today, I actually riffed on that. I said, you know, doesn't putting our primary focus squarely on learning in the deepest sense of the world make common sense? I mean, is it committing ourselves to developing happy, healthy adults just a common sense aspiration? Isn't an equally common sense that we can't fully understand how to best prepare kids for living in the modern world if we ourselves don't fully understand and live in the modern world? And isn't it common sense as well that if the world now favors learners over the learning, that we all need to be powerful learners in our own right? I mean, you know, none of this is rocket science. We say this all the time in terms of intellectually understanding it. I think the vast majority of educators, not all, but the vast majority of educators, I think, at the end of the day, given the opportunity to start something new, start it fresh from the ground up, to create something much more progressive than what currently exists. Um, and, and what we're trying to do, you know, just so people understand, and I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast do know this, is we don't, we don't pretend for one second that we're going to write a script or a recipe for someone to follow to go down this path to modern learning. But what we have been able to do is craft together over many years and many hundreds of schools' experiences a lens through which they can craft their own. And it allows them to make their own choices in this way about what they believe, about how their school should reflect the modern context and what the impact is on practice and what their understanding should be in that space. And, and I think that's what's made Change School um, so popular and have such an impact is that people are used to going along and someone giving them a, you know, step by step, here's 21 steps, dare I say it, 21 steps to, uh, <laughs> to modern learning. And, and they think, oh, that's good. You know, I like that. That's how my world normally is. But we're not saying that. We're saying, listen, just go back to what you believe. Start with where, you're, where you should be. And, you know, I think a lot of people find that very challenging at first. There's no question that people prefer to have a script. People would much prefer it was 21 steps because it would make it easy, whereas what we're trying to say is, no, no. Many, in many ways, the short-term answer is 21 steps. The long-term answer is base it around your beliefs, around the lenses that we've put together, and look at, look at the way you're going to frame the experience for your kids on the basis of those lenses, and then you are going to get a far more rewarding and inspirational environment for kids to work in. And not to belabor the point, but the lens, all of it, is common sense. Yep. That's why, you know, no fancy names, no, you know, no adjectives, no, you know, highfalutin marketing yeah, pitches or anything. You know, it's like, look, it's just learning, context, and practice. That's it. Yep. And you have to think about each one of those things just in a real world way and in a what? common sense way. I think the the, the uh, four video series that you've created on the lenses uh, will too, will help people. As I said, a number of people listening to podcasts will maybe have done Change School or be with us in Change Leaders, but those who aren't, who want to know more about it, want to dig down a little bit deeper, um, I know we'll put a link to the, to the series um, with this podcast. And if you're listening to this in uh, mid-May, then uh, uh, know that Registration is going to be open for Change School within about a week. So um, we're going to try to turn this podcast out very quickly so that uh, you can uh, sign up. We're, uh, we're hoping and expecting a pretty big group this time around. This will be our fifth cohort. And uh, 
I don't know, Bruce. I mean, you know, as I think about Change School and I think about the work that we've done over the last year with that, um, and now as I see more and more of our Change School people doing really interesting things. I mean, I, we saw Mary Jean Ferris from Russell's post in our community the other day about a very, very impressive kind of innovation day that they're holding. And I know that, that her work with us informed a lot of that. Um, yep. It's just it's just really fun now to, to begin to see the, the fruits of uh, their intellectual labor, I guess you'd say. And, um, you know, uh, and the exciting piece of it is, again, as the, the community continues to grow, we're just going to get more and more of that stuff. And, and that's a really exciting thing to think about. I mean, what are, when you think about this change school group coming up, is there anything in particular that you're thinking um, you're hoping that, uh, that we'll, we'll do more of or, or, or talk more about? Well, I, th I think, firstly, I think the thing to mention is that what I do love about the structure we have in Change School is that all our past Change School alumni uh, have lifetime membership in the community. So what that means is the people joining us here have access to people who've been with us for over 12 months, some of them. Um, they're people who have put some of the discussions and the ideas that we've been talking about into practice or in the middle, as you just said. So joining Change School for Cohort 5, as you said, which, which gets underway late May, is an opportunity for them to connect with people who are actually doing the work. This isn't, this isn't theory. This, this, is, this is practice. And this is, you get the stories from the people who are at the coalface. And I think people will find that um, an incredible resource. Um, as you know, we, we, the structure we, we have, and I think people are familiar with it, is, you know, it's very much built around an inquiry format. We try and give people as much information as we can and resources to reach out to. But ultimately, it's the discussion and the reflections and the coaching that we get in the Zoom sessions that we have. I think that people find the most valuable. And you and I often, I mean, I, we, we go through these sessions. I think we do a total of 56 Zoom hours that people can make a uh, a selection from they don't obviously do 56 but there's a total available to them and sometimes you and I will come off those sessions and we're blown away by the discussion absolutely forget about forget about what what other people are taking away because of the 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 uh, the depth to which these people are thinking about these ideas the the uh, challenges that are thrown out and the community that that pulls together to look at the ideas that people are throwing up and saying, well, this is what will work for me. How does that work for you? And that's trying to remove that isolation of leadership, that if you're a leader, you're isolated. If you're a change leader, you're often even more isolated than ever. You're looking for other people who you can share your ideas and your thoughts with, get their reflections and get their support. And that's the stuff that I just love. Yeah, and I think, you know, just using that example from Pam and Ira, I mean, that's what we want our people to be able to do. And they, Pam and Ira are special in that they have just years of experiences and thinking and interactions that have allowed them to, again, build foundations for this type of change to happen. Albemarle was never, always, wasn't, wasn't always like this, right? Yeah. There was a, a time before Pam when uh, I'm sure Albemarle was a fairly traditional, pretty much, you know, you can expect what's going to happen in school type of school. Um, but it's their work that um, has really moved them now to a place where they can begin to innovate. And that's what we're trying to do, too, with the folks that we work with. Um, build their capacity, again, to understand what learning's about, to see the world in a different way because of all the changes that are happening. And then think really deeply about cultures and, and practices and 
all the things that go into making up the experience that we create for kids and the conditions that we create for kids. And um, the good news is, is that there are more and more powerful examples like Albemarle's, you know, example that are coming out every day now. But what I love about Albemarle, and we say this always too, is that it's an old school that's becoming bold. Um, yep. You know, you can go out and create this stuff one-off and start a charter and um, do all that kind of work. And a lot of people are doing that and we respect that. We think it's great, but we're really interested in how can we help schools that exist right now to begin to innovate and do these types of, of uh, create these types of experiences for kids. So, well, it's a, we'll, we'll keep this one a little bit short tonight, Bruce, but uh, good conversation and um, uh, really looking forward to next week when we, when we open up the doors and uh, start inviting and, and meeting new people to take this journey with us. I know I'm excited. I know you are too. And uh, um, let's, uh, let's make this a, a really great cohort for, for those 100 or maybe 130 or so people who are going to join up. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's, uh, it's uh, always an exciting time for us to sort of, uh, just as we, we are just about to open the doors, as Missy says, and, uh, and let people in. But just a final comment, of course, we may have people who are considering it. Um, now we're getting towards the end of the school year in the Northern Hemisphere, um, towards the vacation period in the, in the Southern Hemisphere. You might have questions. You might, maybe we think we've told you everything you need to know about change school. Um, just hang, just go to the change school site. You'll see there's a chat box there. Um, there's plenty of ways that you can connect with us. If you want to come directly to Will or I, you can get us at will or bruce at modernlearners.com. And uh, we're only too happy to spend some time with you. If you'd like us to, we can even throw you up on a Zoom and talk about it in some detail. But what we don't want is people who have questions and, and are unsure about the experience. So if, if that's you, feel free to make contact with us in whatever way makes sense to you. Amen. All right, my, my friend. Well, you stay warm in, yep. in frigid Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Get some sun cream on. <laughs> yeah. All right, mate. Good, good talking to you. Thanks, man. Cheers.